0: Hey everybody, Nitsan Mosry here, the Traveling Investor, and welcome to another edition of the Traveling Investor Live Q&A show, where this is where you're going to learn how to master your mind, body, and wallet. And let's not forget to say hello to Master Yoda, who's always behind us, always keeping an eye on us, and making sure that we always do. We do not try, but we do. I'm Nitsan Mosry, your host today, and you know, it's uh, it's a wild ride. What's going on in the real estate market today? I've noticed, uh, you know, things are going really wild in the whole residential and commercial real estate world. And uh, we're gonna talk today with a gentleman who's got his thumb on the pulse of the residential market. Um, I pulled up the National Association of Realtors report the other day, and it's a phenomenon of what's going on right now we have a lot of inventory coming onto the market inventory is going up yet home prices are going up as well so it's uh it's a pretty wild ride And uh, let's see what goes on and what's happening, you know, from the mortgage side of things, right? Because that's really showing us what's going on today in the commercial world. Man, it's a seller's market. It is crazy. People are selling and selling and it's just incredible. And people are buying. It's not like there aren't any buyers out there. So, you know, we're going to talk today about why that is what's happening, and where we see the industry and the market heading. So without further ado, I've got I've got a great guest. His name is Alex Poole. He's been in the mortgage industry for the last 15 years. He's from South Florida. We, uh, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and he's just rocking and rolling, and he's going to share with us today some insights on what's happening, what you could expect as a homeowner coming down to florida or anywhere in the country and and figuring out what's going on in the residential mortgage space and we'll figure out where that market is heading so without further ado let me bring on alex pool hey what's happening buddy how are you
1: hey nissan how you doing
0: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. I know you're super busy getting all those mortgages in and, you know, getting those applications set up and getting people approved. So, you know, we'll, we'll make it quick today, but I want to thank you for being on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me. And yeah, you nail right on the head. I am pre-approving a lot of people and that's one of the keys. It's actually one of my pet peeves is people that do not take the time to get pre-approved. I mean, whether you're a real estate agent you know, shame on you, you should know better, right? (laughs) A client looking to purchase a home, always get pre-approved in any market, but especially in today's market. And unfortunately, a lot of people have learned the hard way. They go to make an offer and literally the property's gone in in minutes or hours. Uh, It really does not last that long. Um, You know, pre-approval does so many things for you. It helps you to determine what are you actually qualified for? You don't want to waste your time shopping, in the right in the wrong price range or the wrong type of property and then also it helps um put you in in line first it shows that potential seller that you're ready to go that you've taken the time to do your homework and uh screen's moving around there and (laughs) and and that um you're actually a qualified buyer because you know at the end of the day you may be competing as you know with a lot of cash offers in today's market But by having a properly done pre-qualified mortgage done up front, it actually positions you to compete with those potential cash offers. I have had people, even though they're financing, because their offer came in a bit higher, still get taken over a cash offer if it's properly done. That's the key. Uh, You know, a a pre-approval that's not properly done, it's it's not worth much. But of course, I take the time to do a quality pre-approval where we actually check credit actually review documents, uh, actually ask the appropriate questions, and don't leave that to chance. So that's really one of the keys, I would say, especially in today's market, where there is such a low inventory, such a high demand. And if you're looking to relocate in Florida or even relocate within Florida, in case you're already here, that is very important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The pre-approval letter is um, is huge. But, you know, as, as you said, you got to get the correct pre-approval letter, right? Because there's right. pre-approval, then there's pre-qual, then there's, there's all these different quote-unquote right. pre-approval letters where, you know, if you got yeah. a, a heartbeat or a pulse, yes. let, me, let me give you an approval letter, right? But uh, Yeah, you see that
1: with, um, you know, I don't want to get too specific with certain lenders, but you can imagine some of these larger lenders. And actually, I just had lunch today. Uh, with somebody that used to work, you know, I mentioned the name Quicken Loans. He used to work there. He's no longer there. But he said, we do a high volume and he can't keep track of every client. So he says, they he literally told me, we just want to pull in as many people as we can, which means that they're so eager to earn your business, offer you a low rate, whatever they're looking to do, they'll offer you the world at the beginning, only to have that change later on. And unfortunately, some um, people have either experienced that themselves or even some real estate agents. And they learn the hard way. You know, I do a thorough job up front, especially when it comes to things like condos that not everybody can do, especially in South Florida, where it's, you know, more challenging to do a condo. You have to really do your homework, so to speak. And that's, yeah. I mean, if you're not, you know, reviewing actual documents, checking actual credit, you know, a borrower is going to tell you all day long, you know, they may think they have a 700 FICO because their app on their phone tells them so only to find out it's actually technically below 700 when you check it, which can make a difference. So these details come up and and it is important to take the time to properly do it.
0: Sure. So you've been in the mortgage industry for about 15 years. You've seen ups and downs. You've seen high and lows. What are your thoughts on where we are today in the market?
1: Well, today I would say we're at a good time and point. However, We just know this can't last forever, right? I mean, all good things, as the saying goes, come to an end. What goes up tends to come down eventually, one way or the other. It's just almost like a law of physics. Um, Can't print trillions of dollars, have ultra low interest rates forever. That is kind of a given. We know that's going to eventually end. However, we are, interestingly enough, still in a very good position despite having gone through what we went through last year with COVID, despite a number of challenges um, politically and otherwise uh, right now at this time. And so it is still a very good time to buy or sell. And I would encourage people to take advantage of that while you can, I, I can't put my finger you know, on the button and say exactly at what point and what time that's gonna eventually change or end. But we know that will eventually shift. Will it be later this year, the end of the year or possibly next year and beyond Can't say for certain, but what I can say for certain is it won't last forever. So definitely encourage people that have not already refinanced. Believe it or not, there's still people out there that are looking to take cash out. Maybe you didn't have the opportunity for cash out before because the value wasn't there. Now that the value is there, take that cash out. Maybe you can invest that to finally improve the house or buy another property. I know you do investments. Maybe they want to invest in a property by doing cash out. That would be a good uh, time to do it right now. Or maybe you want to, you know, a lot of people are selling that didn't expect to sell because the values are there and they see value in open intended and selling now. Mm -hmm. So people are doing that. And then, um, you know, when it comes to buying, you might be buying on the high side unless you wait until things settle down a bit. Then you can buy a little bit on the lower side. But I do think it's still a very good time as far as interest rates and the market being strong. We just know that may not last forever. So I would encourage people to take advantage of it while you can.
0: Sure, absolutely. So, so you do primary mortgages. Yes. Um, what's the difference between a, a primary mortgage and a HELOC? Because I know a lot of times now, you know, back in way, way back, you were able to have a mortgage and then have a HELOC on top of that or behind it. But what I've noticed today is that the HELOCs actually want to take out the mortgage and be the primary mortgage or debt on the property.
1: Yeah, good question. HELOC, for starters, as you may know, but some people may not know, stands for Home Equity Line of Credit. And it is actually a mortgage against the property. Some people think, oh, I have a HELOC. It's not against the house, though. Well, more than likely it is. People don't realize that sometimes. They just think it's a line of credit, much like a credit card. Now it can function like a credit card in the sense that you can use it, pay it back. It's got some flexibility. You can even put vacations or whatever you want on there, which is great. But it is a loan. It is a, a, a lien against the property, typically in second lien position. You can either take it out at the same time you buy the property or you can take it out if you have the equity later on, you know, after you buy the property. And that's typically when it's done. However, in today's market, very interesting, uh, due to COVID, a lot of banks, one which I used to work for, Wells Fargo, I have to check with them lately in the past, say, week or month. But I know for a fact they stopped doing the HELOCs. Mm-hmm. I was kind of surprised, but they weren't even offering it. Uh, We do offer it in conjunction with a purchase, but even us scaled that back a bit due to COVID. Again, they were anticipating some difficulty down the road. So they were saying, well, maybe we shouldn't offer these second lien position loans that had a lot of difficulty, as you may know, back in 2008. Uh, That was one of the, you know, there were a number of dominoes that fell and that was one of them. So, um, so, risk your loan. It's in second lien position typically. However, if you're fortunate enough to have a free and clear property, you can take in many cases out a HELOC if you can still find a banker lender willing to do that in first lien position. And so that would essentially replace what would otherwise have been your first mortgage loan. Now, what I offer with a first mortgage loan is typically a more fixed and lower rate than a HELOC. Because HELOCs to get the best rate typically tend to be variable. They're tied to prime. And so, you know, for the time being, that's gonna offer you still a very good rate, but in the long run, it may not be your best bet. Mm -hmm. Along With me, I'm doing cash out. Again, that's another thing that some lenders aren't even offering besides the HELOC. They're not offering the cash out option, meaning you can take your existing balance, add to it and get a little extra money back, all in the process of a refinance, resulting in a lower rate and a fixed rate. So I can get your rate fixed, lowered with cash back, which in some cases is even better than a HELOC. The only thing it won't offer you is the flexibility of using it, paying it back at will, so you can continue to reuse it. It's a one-time shot where you get the money basically at closing once. So right. uh, hopefully that explains it. I know there's a lot of confusion sometimes with HELOCs and you know what might be best for you, whether to do a HELOC or, or a, a traditional mortgage or loan and these are the questions that I can also help answer on a one-on-one basis, depending on your particular case or situation.
0: Okay. Now, yeah. are you finding that lenders are being more strict, are stricter now with uh, requirement and with uh, where they're evaluating the end client? Or is it kind of how it was back then, you know, talking 15, 20 years ago, right, when, when or yeah, like 08. Before that, when if you had a call, well, you would get a loan.
1: Yeah, it was it was kind of funny you asked that because I was just talking to a coworker about that earlier. I said, you know, we're we're starting to relax now with masks and certain things getting more back to normal, so to speak. When are we going to get back to normal with with mortgages? Well, I would consider the critical point uh, post and pre, say 2008 or so, because that was really the big changing point when we had. You know, the financial crisis in 2008 with all the foreclosures, which isn't the case now. I mean, we we are doing much more sound loans since then. And the very reason for that is because as a whole general generally all lenders in the industry are required to properly underwrite loans. And there's new products in place and standards that won't allow for, say, stated income where you can literally, uh, you know, breathe into something and then get approved. Uh, You know, that was the case more so with uh, today with with say a pre approval if it's not properly done. But to actually get a loan, you really have to clear all hurdles. So um, in today's market, that still is being done. Uh, I would say that COVID added a little bit of a layer to that last year. Mm Kind of like the masks, we're beginning to see that pulled back a bit. Uh, Maybe in the case of HELOCs or second loans, those are still a little more difficult to get. That's still the case, but we have seen a little bit of relaxing there. But as a whole, generally, we're still like 2008, where everything is full documentation for the most part and properly done and underwritten. Now, within those parameters, you know, I'm not a bank. I I have access to um, other loans where you can do, maybe not stated income, but you can do a bank statement program. Maybe you don't show proper income on your tax returns, but if you show it on your bank statements as actual cash flow every month, we can do anywhere from 12 to 24 months worth of bank statements and maybe provide you a loan there that maybe a bank or somebody else couldn't have provide any other way. So that, in a way, is a little bit of a relaxed or um, program or guideline. But as far as a whole, as an industry, things are still, I hate to call it tight, but it is still very properly underwritten and, and done the right way.
0: So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, talk about COVID and, and and where we were this past year, and you know, a lot of you know, we people were given the opportunity to go into forbearance, right? And mm-hmm, forbearance mm-hmm. for those of you that uh, don't know what that is, the uh, the lender uh, gives you three months of kind of free mortgage payments where you don't have to pay, but then they tack it on after three months and it divided by twelve, right? So.
1: Yeah. The, the particular lender that you're with, that you requested the forbearance with, will work out those arrangements with you, you know, case by case. Right. There's one set rule for everybody all across the board. Generally speaking, though, what we're seeing is that is tacked on to the end of the loan, which is really most advantageous when it's done that way for the borrower, because you only have to pay it off when you either sell the house or refinance. Mm-hmm. you really want to take it that far and you're in the loan long enough that you reach that point where okay now you're done with your mortgage payments now you begin the forbearance payments but usually what will happen is it's just an added you know three months worth of payments added onto the balance when you go to pay off in the case of a refinance or 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 new purchase where you're selling the home
0: right so that's
1: what most part there are a few other arrangements though where they might do it a little bit differently Uh, The worst of them being, uh, I would say, where they're making a due immediately after three months. Well, you just gave me three months. Now you expect me to pay all three months right off the bat. And, uh, you know, we've seen that before with hurricanes and some things in Florida. Uh, It does exist. I don't see that too commonly these days with most lenders, but I suppose there's a few cases like that out there. You may want to check with your lender uh, if you're in forbearance to see exactly what structure you have. If you need a refinance as a result to help you catch up with payments or maybe rearrange that, that's certainly one advantage of doing a refinance.
0: Sure, absolutely. So with, with the whole COVID situation and people going into forbearance, are you seeing more properties um, going into short sale or foreclosure? Do you predict that there's going to be a wave of foreclosures and short sales coming onto market because of last year of what happened?
1: That's a great question because I think initially that was the concern. Uh, when we're in the midst of the crisis, say, March last year, even into the summer last year, right around this time, you know, the crisis was still relatively new at the time. We did see a lot of people taking advantage of forbearance because they really had no alternative and, you know, it was there for a reason. So people took advantage of it. And that was certainly the concern then. We, actually have not seen that occur or happen. There has not been a big wave of foreclosure like we had back in 2008 so far. I think one of those reasons has been that, um, you know, regardless of who's in power, administrations have been, you know, whether it's governors or whoever, they've been able to postpone things and say, okay, we're going to give uh, uh, more time for these forbearances to continue. Uh, just like they've had that on rent, you know, all about rent. I know you deal with that. And you've seen that on the rental side, same thing. They've been kind of mm-hmm. to be kicking the can a little bit down the road. Eventually that will have to be um, dealt with. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Could there be a wave coming later later this year? Because eventually those, you know, forbearance opportunities will end and people will be like, okay, now what? Yeah, that could happen. Uh, again, if you're having difficulty in that regard and, and you know, why your credit is still good because you have had forbearance, which is allowed and maybe you want to, figure something out for the future, that might be a good time to either sell or refinance and, and deal with it that way before it becomes more problematic. I have not seen a lot of uh, short sales or foreclosures, though, so far. Is it out of the question that could happen later down the road, either later this year or next year? It, it's possible. Hopefully, okay. a major crisis like it was in 2008, but it certainly is is possible.
0: Yeah, you know, we were, when, when the pandemic hit and everything was shut down and we weren't allowed to travel and you know, mm-hmm. the eviction moratoriums and whatnot, mm-hmm. there's a lot of talk in the industry, commercial and residential, that prices would suddenly drop. We're all waiting. Okay, mm-hmm. prices are going to drop. Prices are going to drop. Prices are going to drop. When are they drop? They haven't dropped. They're actually no, they're going. Up. Quite the
1: opposite. <laughs> it,
0: it, it's a crazy phenomenon of what's happening. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know? I think what's unique uh, about this crisis, uh, particularly in Florida, where we are, right, is we've become like a safe haven for a lot of people escaping other areas for climate reasons or other reasons. And, you know, it's been very much uh, to our benefit. But even across the country, uh, it's interesting to see that values are holding steady or even going up. Mm-hmm. as you know, people move and, and make whatever uh, decisions they need to make and, and continue with their lives. So um, that is very interesting. But like I said, all things eventually may level off or change. Uh, I don't know yeah. when or how, but it, mm-hmm. it probably is coming. Um, but it's been certainly uh, good for now and continues to be.
0: Yeah, we, we're definitely in a seller's market, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the, the challenge is, right? If you're a seller and you're selling your property, what are you going to buy? <laughs> well,
1: and it, it's interesting because we are seeing some people sell, maybe rent for a while,
0: uh-huh.
1: the patient of buying later at right. a lower price. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, definitely for a fact, I know a lot of people are doing that strategy. And then we have some people that are like, okay, I sold my property for, say, 30000 over what I normally might have made you know, in any normal market. And I'm gonna pay over 30,000 on my next home, but I'm okay with that. I'm actually working on a transaction just like that now. He's selling on the uh, 24th of June, about 30,000 over. He's gonna purchase for about 30,000 over. He's perfectly fine with it and happy um, with that result. So.
0: Yeah, very nice, very nice. Oh, we have Alan uh, Relchstein, Relchstein, I hope I'm saying his name right. He asked a question, can you lend on which condos? He hears that they're hard to finance.
1: Yeah, actually, Alan uh, knows me, and I think he's uh, trying to uh, prompt a question there regarding condos because I am known as a specialist with condos. Um, Yes, we can. They can be very challenging, especially in Florida, to finance because when you're dealing with a condo, unlike most properties, you're not just approving the client, you're approving the property itself. For most properties, you're kind of limited more or less to the appraisal. There's a few things other than that, but not much. With a condo, you're really going more in-depth. You're getting into, is there a lawsuit in the building? How many units are rented? How many units are in foreclosure? Um, Are there special assessments? There's so many things that go into it. A lot of lenders run into difficulty, especially when they're from out of the area or out of state and aren't familiar with Florida and aren't familiar with the guidelines. I mean, sometimes there's always that little extra asterisk for Florida where you need that little bit of extra down or whatever the case might be. So I know all the minefields that are out there and help you walk through it so you know you can get safely to closing. And um, you approve the condo, not just the client, because that's the key. You can be approved all day long with an 800 FICO in whatever situation you have, only to find out you'll still be denied if the condo itself is not approved. So most definitely we can finance condos. Can we finance all of them? No, because there are some that are just simply not financeable for any number of reasons. But we uncover those reasons up front and help you, you know, hopefully select one that'll work for you.
0: Right. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, We have a question from Robert says, any news on Airbnb in Florida? Do you guys, are, are those financeable?
1: Well, they are financeable in the sense that if you're looking to buy an investment property for yourself in your name, not as an LLC, let's say, or not taking over an existing Airbnb and transfer it to your name or whatever. If you're going to do personal financing on it as a residential property, uh, the key is it's residential, right? Uh, as far as I'm concerned. And then, um, yeah, we can definitely look at financing those uh, on a case by case basis. Uh, we would just prove you as an individual and then look at the property itself to also see you know, that we can also approve the property. And as long as we can do those two things, um, yeah, it's doable. The key is investment property in that case. Yeah.
0: So it has to be in your personal name. It cannot be in an LLC.
1: Yeah. We have some rules that may allow for that down the road. Um, but e- the immediate loan up front is typically with your personal credit, because when you're dealing with an LLC, as you may know, it's, it's, you know, the very purpose of an LLC is not to have that direct linkage. Uh, although we can still link it, um, you know, we are running your credit, not a personal tax ID number or a business entity or what have you, because now you're getting into a commercial loan, which is maybe where you step in if mm-hmm. it's in that direction.
0: All right. How many loans can someone have on their personal uh, tax ID number?
1: Good question. That changes uh, from time to time as they update the uh, guidelines. The last time I checked, I want to say six. Okay. Um, Maybe a, a few, one or two below that or above that. But uh, I want to say it was six uh, the last time I checked. And that right. does come every now and then when we have an investor who has a multiple you know, properties and they're looking to buy that fifth or sixth property. But there is a limit
0: mm-hmm. because
1: you cannot have, say, 10 of them. Otherwise, you really are more of a corporation or you know, commercial type uh, situation.
0: Right. And residential uh, means up to four units?
1: Yes, we can. You, we can finance a maximum of four units at a time as one, you know, space one purchase. So and if
0: somebody has a, if somebody has a fourplex that they want to buy in their name, they can do that. Can they have six of those or only one of those and two single families? Well,
1: as far as mortgages, you can have six mortgages with four units on it, as long as each one is considered a fourplex and you're buying right. it one at a time. Yeah. So I believe that should be allowed as long mm-hmm. as it's more than six mortgages.
0: So you um, can have basically. You,
1: have, you know, have a mortgage on each individual unit in that fourplex, right. which is 24 mortgages, of course. Right. But as long as it's no more than six uh, mortgages.
0: So you can actually have 24 units of. Right. Four. But we
1: look at it as one fourplex unit. We Correct. call it a, a single, a duplex, triplex, and fourplex. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: deal with single and duplex, in some cases, four plexes. Um, so even though, yes, technically there's four units, it is still considered one entity with four units because it's a four plex.
0: Right, okay, great. So we can limit a- it to
1: six mortgages, six four plexes.
0: Got it, perfect. Yeah, that that's great for someone who wants to get started in the industry and you know just have a little extra income coming in
1: be a big portfolio if you had multiple units at a time with with a mortgage for multiple units. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. That would be great. So we've got a question here it says what's the current status of getting permanent loans on ADUs?
1: On ADUs?
0: ADUs are those little uh, I figure what the ADU stands for, but ADU those are the little mother-in-law suites that people build in their back homes that are um, separate detached last detached I
1: detached units. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. The, the
0: key there uh, accessory is, is, dwelling units, that's what it is. Right.
1: I think the key there is last I checked is, you know, does it have a separate tax ID number? Mm-hmm. In cases It doesn't. And that's where it becomes a little trickier difficult because it's really linked to that main property. Um, and so how do you finance that separately? If it's somehow, if it's, you know, zone designated in a way where it has its own tax ID number, it may be possible, you mm-hmm. know, a different value, different situation, different square footage. But the key is, does it have a separate text, text ID number or not? That way, it may or may not be able to be done. In most cases, you'll find it's actually part of the main property. So you, it's hard to you know, break that apart. It'd be almost like saying, well, I want to buy this house except for that one bedroom and I want to finance that one bedroom. Well, how do you do that? You can't.
0: So. Right, right. Okay. But I guess it, it would definitely add value to a house to the appraised Absolutely. value and there's allowing... certainly
1: no reason why it can't be rented out or
0: mm-hmm. what
1: have you and and for many reasons can provide value among them well, that being one of them yeah
0: right and and if you wanted to build uh an adu in the back could you get a construction loan for it do you, you...
1: construction loans kind of like in some cases HELOCs? we talked about HELOCs earlier uh, construction loans are hard to find these days, believe it or
0: uh-huh.
1: not. Um, it's not something I offer, a multitude of loans, um, many loans that some banks and lenders won't won't offer. But construction loans, whether you check with a bank or most lenders, are hard to come by. Those are not in, in, in a lot of supply these days. I think the best way to finance a situation where you want to do some actual construction on it is if you're fortunate enough to have equity in your property, maybe your primary re- mm-hmm. residence you can finance against that and take cash out or, or maybe even get a line of credit against that. And that would be your best bet. Uh, So they can be done in that regard. But as a separate construction loan, whether you're buying brand new home or just an ADU or whatever, that is hard to find right now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. for some time, even prior to COVID.
0: Right. Okay. Well, you know, um, it's a lot of information. You're you're, you're a wealth of knowledge. Um, How can people get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. Thanks, uh, Nissan. It's, uh, well, you can reach them best ways on my cell, 561-699-5388, or you're welcome to email me at uh, my work email, APOOL, just like my last name, POOL, like swimming pool, at PRMG, standing for Paramount Residential Mortgage Group.net, pool at PRMG.net. I'll be sure to get back to you within the hour, if not certainly at the latest 24 hours.
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm definitely going to reach out to you because I have a, a single family rental that uh, I own free and clear that I'd like to pull some money out so I can put it into another property.
1: Great. I hadn't even talked about that, Nissan. love to help you.
0: Absolutely. All right, my friends. Well, Alex, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time. Wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Uh, travelers, get in touch with Alex. Uh, his number is 561-699-5388, or you can email him at apool at prmg.net, and uh, I want to thank everybody for being here as well. Next week we're going to have another great show coming at you. Same bad time, same bad station. Uh, 3 p.m. We've got Riley Oikel, founder of the Your First Income Property Program, and I'm giving a special offer: my real estate investment secret ebook for only a dollar. Check it out on social media. Go to YouTube.com slash the Traveling Investor. Check out the Traveling Investor YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, share, comment. Uh, it'll be there. You can get my $1 book at rebrand.ly forward slash Traveling Investor ebook. Until next time, I'm Nissan Mosier, the Traveling Investor. Travel well, travel safe, and I'll see you somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Take care.